0: You're now listening to Hack and Grow Rich with Shaheen Shayen and his co-host Bart Baggett, where we discuss hacking your way to success and the unconventional paths to unreasonable success with the people who've been there. And now, the author of Billion, How I Became King of the Thrill Pill Cult, Shaheen Shayen.
1: Hey guys, welcome to Hack and Grow Rich. My name is Bart Baggett, and we are going to dive into some techniques and tips that can make you richer. I mean, if you're into money, I don't know, maybe you don't like money, maybe you hate money, but if you like money, you like hacking, and you like business, you're going to love my co-host, Shaheen Shan. Hey, buddy. Hey, Bart.
0: How's it going? What's new?
1: Dude, it's so good. I went a trip to LA for a while, went to Texas, went to Austin, visited some great friends. It has been a wonderful weekend, and I'm ready to do the show.
0: I love it. I love it. So, for all of you guys who are here, we're about to get in uh, to Facebook Live. So we're about to go live on Facebook. So here we go, getting ready to go live onto Facebook. So for any of our friends that uh, watch us, um, we will eventually be doing Instagram Lives, but um, we will be doing Hack and Grow Rich um, on Facebook Live. So here we go. We're going live on Facebook in five. Four, three, two, this meeting is being live-streamed. Got it. And one, it's setting up for Facebook Live. And we are going to talk about the new tell-all film featuring uh, Jared Leto, the series called We Crashed, which I think is phenomenal, uh, unbelievable story of entrepreneurship. Uh, which I think is is very exciting. And whatever else comes to mind. So Bart, have you seen We Crashed? And for all you guys joining us now on Facebook Live, uh, we will answer any questions. So ask us anything. If you have any questions, we welcome you. Join us. Uh, so have you seen We Crash?
1: I have not. And I'm glad I haven't because I will give you a fresh perspective since you've watched it. And it's nothing. Jared Leto is what an amazing actor. Um, it's funny you mentioned this. I was literally having this conversation. And I was like, wait, I thought WeWork was bankrupt. Like they still have offices somewhere? Because um, we use another company called Regis. And they're like, no, no, they still exist. And I was like, how? Like the whole Elizabeth and the Serranos thing and like people getting sued. How, did, how is it still a thing after such a disaster?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think what happened was that they came out at a very high valuation. So they were going to go public at a valuation of some insane thing, like 47 billion, some ridiculous number that I think our brains can't even calculate. Uh, and then uh, SoftBank came in, uh, some issues happened. And finally, I think um, the CEO left. Apparently, I haven't finished watching the whole series, and they did go public, but at a much lower valuation, something like eight or nine billion, from what I understand. But it's it's a fascinating story. There's a couple things I like about the guy, and several things that I don't the way that he's portrayed. At least I didn't know the guy, or I've never met the guy. Um, one fact that's interesting is that despite all the madness, dude walked away with. At least a billion dollars and now according to the internet he's worth over 2.2 billion dollars of money
1: which do you you think he's fraudulent like the elizabeth and the Theronos thing do you feel like he absolutely overspent lied to his investors had private do you think that he's the guy that shouldn't be a billionaire now or or did he create any value in the marketplace
0: I think the concept is really good, and it's something that didn't exist before. We we had companies like Regis, and there's a couple other uh, sort of office rental spaces, and they were stuffy, and you would walk in, and they would smell like death on your grandmother's 40-year-old couch, and they would invariably have a fax machine somewhere. It would be like that kind of thing. So the concept, I think, was good. So there's definitely some value created, even, even a guy that's eccentric like that, uh, and and maybe was not completely on the up and up. Again, I don't know the guy, so I don't want to talk shit about something that I know very little about. But what I can tell you from what I have read about them, you know, they were eccentric. They went off the top. But a lot of it is kind of like, okay, so you get these venture capitalists and you get these investors who put this money in knowing good and well that the company is not profitable. Amazon had that same issue. Apple had that same issue. Uber and Lyft had that same issue. So this is part of the tech world. And the way that it works, I think, is really interesting because it's kind of like a hot potato. So you got this hot potato and it's being passed around, right? And each time there's a couple more hot potatoes added to it and it's kind of being passed around. So the goal for these companies wasn't to create profitability. I don't believe that it was the goal for him. And I don't believe it was the goal for the investors. The goal was to create the hype and to create the share value. And you win by being able to exit before everybody else while the hype is still up. So for example, I don't know if you heard that like Elon Musk uh, just purchased a big amount of uh, Twitter. Which like is half
1: percent. Yeah. Like, like a bunch of money,
0: which is fascinating. And, and, uh, Apparently, allegedly, he's trying to make a bid to buy the company. Now, just the fact that he's doing that, uh, he's made hundreds of millions of dollars just simply by going in and buying those shares, because people know that he's bought those shares and it's brought the hype up. Markets are based on emotions more than fundamentals. And anybody who's a master trader, if you look at someone like Ray Dalio or Richard Simmons, um... Who's, who's who's done that, uh, they will tell you that markets more than anything are based on emotions above and beyond fundamentals. Hope,
1: confidence, and rumor in some cases. Because even though technically insider trading is illegal, everybody wants a tip, whether it's from the water cooler or your buddy, they always want to get right ahead of the market. And it's crazy because the, the stock market is so fast, like it mm-hmm. adapts instantly way before you and I might typically hear of it, unless it's literally inside trading like the people in the Senate and the Congress did at the early 2020. Right. Uh, t- Twitter, by the way, is not profitable. I mean, after right. all this time, now it's $48 billion worth and it has no profit stream. It's the craziest thing to see these kind of uh, numbers thrown around. Um, but yeah, he did create value and, and, and I, I totally have seen because of the Facebook movie. It was all about these early investors and then trying to get the the hype up. And I think Facebook held back many, many years before they went public. As they went public, they hit the right price, and the investors got rich instantly. Either they own stock and hold on to it, or they liquidated, and and they got, you know, a 20 to 1 return on investment, where the average investor invests $77, and maybe or maybe not, it'll go up once or twice. So, yeah, I kind of get the venture capital world, although I've never raised money. I think you've raised money before. Fascinating, but I just a part of me is like resentful that the guy's worth like two billion dollars and I'm not because I didn't lie. But I'm gonna start lying now. Now, Bart Baggett company, it's we're gonna be with a billion dollars, send your checks immediately.
0: Well, I think what's interesting is that what he did, he definitely created impact. And guys, for you guys joining us now on Facebook Live, welcome. Uh, we're talking about we crash, the we work story. And I think one of the things that he did along the way was that he he did create enemies. And lawsuits and enemies, believe it or not, are fundamental to any entrepreneur. You cannot be a successful entrepreneur and be afraid of conflict. And again, this is one of the reasons why I am such an adherent to martial arts. And I'm such an advocate of martial arts for people because it builds that level of discipline where you're not afraid of confrontation. You don't need people to like you, you need them to know you in order to be successful. And as far as your employees go, you definitely don't need them to like you. And it's okay if they fear you, they just have to respect you, which is a key ultimately, I think there was a lot of things done wrong with that company. And you can see it, you can see, you know, the culture was a little wacky, the The way that they grew without any profitability and just creating, uh, you're spending hundreds of millions of dollars to to grow at an incredibly rapid clip. Uh, but if you look at it, this guy's definitely smart. I mean, he's made more money than I ever have in my life. So I look at this guy and I'm like, man, did he really do all that cheating people and taking money from people? Or was he a smart guy? And in this particular case, I suspect that he was smarter than most people or that he is smarter than most people and, and is able to do that. So you, you look at people like Elon Musk, smarter than most people. There's a reason why he's currently the richest man in the world. You know, Jeff Bezos, the same thing. And you just can't get to a level of success in life that's meaningful without creating some enemies. It's going to happen. And when it does, you cannot be afraid of confrontation, number one. The second thing I, I'm constantly telling people, and I'm curious what you think of this part is that you should never create enemies where you don't need to. So if it's unnecessary, don't do things that create enemies. An old teacher of mine, you know, I would always ask him, I'd be like, hey, you have all, these, all this power in these particular situations and negotiations. And he would tell me, hey, we don't want to punch the other side without a very good reason and a very good outcome for us.
1: I couldn't agree more. I mean, any anytime and i've I've read a lot of celebrities talk about this is they don't read their Twitter accounts. A lot of celebrities don't read reviews because it's very difficult to get into the mire of those with no voice and no experience to allow them to have a voice. And I think it's one of, the, one of the downsides of this social media opportunity is people think they're entitled to criticize your 25-year career because they didn't like a movie or you don't like something you said, or they think they're entitled to cancel you because they didn't like a joke, as we've seen the massive discussion over the last few weeks with the Will Smith episode. Um, So yeah, I think that um, it's difficult to be a celebrity or or do anything with significance without getting attention of the trolls and without people jumping up and hating you. And and I've had this, remember when I was 19 or 20, I started marketing in this little niche of people teaching handwriting analysis and doing forgeries and forensics. And I got so much hate mail because I was 20 years old and how could he know anything and who certified him and blah, blah, blah. And he didn't come from our school. And I was like, Guys, this is not religion. This is yeah. just a bunch of people looking at handwriting, trying to figure out if it's a forgery, trying to figure out like, you know, is a person a nice guy. It was it shouldn't have been a contentious thing. Right. But as soon as someone thought I was taking over their territory, almost like if I'm flirting with a woman and she's got a boyfriend, like all of a sudden I'm the enemy because I'm saying I'm being nice to his girlfriend. Like I'm not the enemy. Like there's no reason we can't all have a nice conversation. So I have found a lot of insecure people have very territorial in even the smallest insignificant markets. And then when you're talking about big celebrities, the Joe Rogans of the world, and um, you know you were doing billions of dollars, you had to have people criticize you. You're booking billions when you're walking on the beach with thousands of dollars in a bag. You probably had competitors. You're probably talking shit about it. You probably had people telling you it was a bad batch. All not true. Why would they do that except they felt intimidated?
0: Yeah, so it's interesting. I'll give an interesting exercise to people uh, specifically for this to kind of get over your fear. And this is something that helps me a lot. And it's something I learned from one of my mentors a long time ago. You have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. It's just a fact of life. And you have to be comfortable with people not liking you. So walk into a setting, preferably with people you don't know, into a social setting or a setting where you're in public somewhere, uh, where people will naturally say hi to you. And don't react when people say hi or acknowledge you. Now, it's a very uncomfortable thing. Most people are not comfortable with this. Like if you go on a hike and people look at you and they go, good morning. And you just don't say anything. You don't react negatively. You're not rude. You're not polite. You just walk. You're under no obligation to acknowledge them. And that does not make you a bad person. It does not make you a rude person, but it puts you firmly within your own power to do that as as an exercise. I'm not recommending doing this all the time, but if you're one of those people who doesn't like confrontation or gets uncomfortable with confrontation, and it's the kind of thing that's holding you back in life, in business in particular, this is an incredible exercise of what you learn because invariably what will happen is, is people will go, oh, so rude, or they'll say something. And you stay in your bubble and continue to walk down the path of where you're going. Right? You're not rude. You're not doing anything. You're just not acknowledging whatever their greeting is. Okay? So what happens is you start to learn that people's reactions to you is all about them and not about you. And you come into a place of power where eventually you'll be okay. You don't want to do this exercise too much, but if you're intentional about it and you do it every once in a while, I do it every once in a while. I go biking or hiking in the mountains and I see people on there like, hi, good morning. And I just don't say anything. I'm not rude. I don't smile. I have zero interaction with them and I'm okay with that. And sometimes I hear them, you know, whispering, oh, he must be having a bad day. He must be, all the projections that they have. But at the end of the day, I'm I'm standing firm in my knowledge of who I am. And if you can get to that point, you become indestructible in business negotiations. I had a
1: similar uh, thought process when I was about 15 years old, when I first started learning psychology and cognitive psychology. And And one of the tips was, hey, if you want to be less sensitive to criticism, here's something you can do. Like whether it was with therapy or whether it was a meditation. But he's like, you know, you're too sensitive, Bart. You care too much what people that you don't know think. And, and I think that's a very common problem because you're worried about someone on the internet. Like you can never let, I mean, if you're trying to make everybody happy and everybody like you, no one's going to like you. You have to take a strong, strong position. So, so I made an effort to do that, and I think I've changed my personality uh, uh, wildly since then. I raised my self-esteem. All these things are part of the cognitive psychology information that you can study and you can learn. But what was interesting is I think I went from like being too sensitive to being too aggressive. And so I like, I don't care. I don't care what you think. I don't care if you like me. And so my jokes were a little bit more inappropriate. I didn't have as much diplomacy. I, I probably was kind of an a-hole for a few years. While I figured out, like, I don't want to care what they think. But I, but I, but I do actually want to be mindful of people's feelings, especially people that I respect. But, 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 but strangers have no... Right to affect my emotions. Um, I don't want to ask you a question because I've got a, a new friend of mine who's who's Persian from your culture, and and she believes that her entire culture is based on status, and so it so annoys her when she's just totally consumed by someone not respecting her. Is that a Persian thing? Because it feels like it's also an Asian thing and a Chinese thing with grades and status. I feel like it's it's permeates the world, not just not just Persia.
0: Yeah. So you're talking about Eastern cultures and it's and it's funny because it's it's a very bifurcated psychology and I'll tell you why so from eastern philosophy we get zen from eastern philosophy we get all this amazing wisdom of of all the generations that came before of ancient persia ancient china all these incredible civilizations that imparted wisdom that we still have today, that that we have recorded and written and oral traditions. And in a lot of these traditions and cultures, like Asian culture, uh, Persian culture, Middle Eastern culture, there's a lot of respect for elders. There is a high value put on humility. When you walk into a room with a bunch of people in these cultures, people aren't necessarily bragging about themselves. They're like, oh, no, 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 it's me. People put themselves beneath others in the room. Even if there's somebody that's of a high status in that room, you're constantly putting yourself beneath people. And there's, there's a word for that in Farsi, and there's a word for that, I'm sure, in most of these other languages. In Western culture, it's not like that. In LA, you know, me and you could go to some Hollywood party or celebrity party, and everybody's talking themselves up and talking about themselves. And you go, "Whoa, this is where did the humility go?"
1: But but in Australia, it's completely opposite. They have the tall poppy syndrome. Like they actually think Americans and the sales processes are obnoxious. They were penal still-
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm just saying it's really weird when you're there. If you just promote and say, "Yeah, I've done these books," they're just like, mm, "That's not cool." Um, but the oh, Persians, wow. when you say Persians, I, I didn't get that from, again, I'm only, I'm only having this one short conversation. Why is it the Persians need to drive amazing cars? Why is it that they feel like they've got to get PhDs? And again, this is not just yeah. the Persian Iranian so, culture. I feel like it's all over the world where people feel like if I don't have status, I'm not significant. And if someone criticizes me, like that's as much of a wound as is saying that you're ugly.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's more a sign of the times. I think in all cultures, status has been important, but I see it too. I see young people, you know, from coming from Asia, coming from all different parts of the world. And they've got like, you look at them and you're like, oh my God, there's not a piece of like clothing or accessory on them that doesn't have a Gucci Prada, some brand on it that conveys status. It's status signaling really is what it is. And you wonder, you go, Man, like, I I get it. If somebody wants to buy a nice pair of shoes and makes them feel good, cool, I get that. But like, everything is a brand on you, then you must be, uh, my general assumption is that you must be pretty, you must feel pretty insignificant, where the only tribe you associate with are these corporate brands that they've put on you. Right. The car that you drive, the things that you own. So you now are valuing things and people value you because of the things you have, not because of the person you are. Your life has not been interesting enough. You have not self-reflected. You have not had experiences that have been transformational in a way where people will go, you know what, Bart? You're a fucking really interesting dude some interesting shit happened to you in your life you seeked out some interesting fucking experiences and i'm interested in you as a person not so much that that shirt that you're wearing is a is a john barbatos 300 shirt
1: your perspective is the same as mine but you and i have had a unique journey which we've mm. been around wealthy people for 20 30 years when i was at pepperdine i was just a kid i was broke but i used to hang out in the malibu market and there'd be tom Hanks there, and all these movie stars, and they never wore expensive clothes. They never showed like it was always super downplayed because you knew that they were like, "Look, I've already made it. I'm just trying to like you know have a peaceful cup of coffee." Whereas I was in Miami recently uh, this last year, and it seems like the Cuban culture, at least the American Cubans, they're highly. Brand functioned like they wear necklaces and they they drive like bright yellow Rolls Royces yeah. and, and it's like okay they made some money but but someone explained to me he goes the reason that is is most of these people and again I'm, I'm generalizing so apologize don't send us sc- crazy message of Southern Florida although if you live in Southern Florida you probably already know that you're the one of all the jokes uh, Cuban
0: Americans for canceling Bart I see it right now. <laughs>
1: But I was interested because, I mean, these are real successful guys that I was at a conference. And I was like, why do they feel the need to wear the chains? And they said, well, because most of their friends and relatives came from either poverty or or, or another country. And so having that status of saying, look, I've lifted myself up was in itself, a very significant you know, beacon, and it it attracted people and attracted people saying, "How did you do it?" it attracted women or men or whatever, and I thought that was really fascinating because I think it also stems from where your culture comes from, not necessarily inherent insecurity. Because even if they were super secure, and they're in the marketing business, they still need to get attention. A couple of real estate gurus, and I was like, "God, I could never buy from this guy. He's so obnoxious. Really smart." but just too flashy for me. I'm like, wow, I, I don't need to see his car again. I want to hear some real estate advice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, look, I
0: think, I think different things mean different things to different people. And I, I think as far as Persians go, uh, it's always been a culture that has given status to kind of shiny things from the Donna time. Persians have been attracted to gold and gold things and kind of, this uh, over-the-top status type thing. They have it in India too, which used to be part of Persia back in the day. So these are things that I think through a familial structure, which you gotta remember, Asian culture is based around familial structure. You want to come off as being high status. And I think these are things that signal status. So a lot of these cultures do it. And a lot of people are lost. They don't understand how to signal that they're high status without brand representation and buying things that make them look rich rather than them doing things that actually get them rich. I remember when I had no money and my uh, I, I had like maybe I, I, I had made like 100 bucks. And I wanted to go buy, uh, there was like a piece of clothing that was on sale. I think it was a jacket and it was like 75 bucks. And I remember talking to my, my first mentor and he says, Where are you going? I said, Oh, I'm going to go buy this jacket. He says, Why are you buying this jacket? And I told him, I said, Hey, you know, it's pretty cool. You know, it's worth 200 bucks, but they're selling it for 75. I got to get it. I'm going to look cool. And his words were, Why don't you keep your money and invest it in making more money? And Let's try to get you rich rather than having you try to look rich. And in that moment, I realized that I would never do that again. So it was was a very important lesson for me. The problem is with most people, you can get that dopamine hit by just looking rich and having somebody admire something that you're wearing or that you've bought. But what they have to realize is that that's really a, it's a fool's game because it's much better to have somebody appreciate you for some cool thing that you've done, some inner experience that makes you who you are, that creates the vibe of the person that you are rather than something that you bought. Any idiot can go out there and rent a fancy car, buy a car, buy a thing and, and show it off. Not everybody can go out there and have meaningful interactions and meaningful experiences that impact people.
1: I was reading a book. Um, I don't know if it was a Buddhist book or not, but they were defining that happiness should not be the goal, and, and which is fascinating because you know one of my first books is called Success, Secrets, of Rich, and Happy. And, and they just said, let's define happiness. And usually this is, again, the author speaking, happiness is what happens when the outside world gives you something. Uh, someone gives you someone gives you your lover gives you a compliment that there, someone gives you a gift you have this emotion of happiness but it always fades because it's coming from somewhere external such as a compliment or a status or even even a brand fades in a couple of years but they said the joy should be the better goal to live a life of joy a journey where you're joyful both in the good times and bad and I really like that distinction because happiness if you're just chasing happiness then you're chasing events and stimulus from the outside that would then make you happy obviously you can make yourself happy but i think i think the word joyful really struck a nerve with me so that you could aim to be joyful not necessarily because i can be joyful when i'm sad Mm. Like I can have joy and appreciation even after someone's passed away. Like obviously happiness is not the proper emotion. Just like the Facebook emojis were not really appropriate for tornadoes. <laughs> you know, like, like, Hey, I just survived a tornado. Like I might have just died. Like, like obviously that's not the right emotion. So I love that distinction where if your mission is joy, then it's not always happiness. And I think it goes back to the same thing. If your mission is to get a dopamine hit, from some validation externally, you're setting yourself up for a life of constantly chasing status, which is in the end very, very difficult to maintain.
0: I agree. And I think with that, we can probably you can take us out. Bart, if people want to get a hold of you and get closer to being happy, how do they do that?
1: Hey, I got a couple of cool books. One's called The Magic Questions. One's called The Success, Secrets of Vision Happy. Uh, You can go on Amazon and buy them, but you can also get them for free if you go to getbartsbook.com. There's an opt-in page, a newsletter, pop out, and then you can just download the book. And I've got actually a number of uh, interesting videos that I've filmed with that. Uh, But then you're on an email list. We'll find out more. There's some interesting events coming up live within our community, but you got to be on the email list. So stop by bartbaggett.com or um, getbartsbook.com and then follow us on Instagram. And on this channel... This is a pretty cool podcast. Go ahead and share this and like the Hack and Go Rich podcast. I know if you're watching on Facebook, you're on the podcast, but I think Shaheen, it's on all the podcast platforms and you'll tell that and you'll talk about your Amazon course because I love what you're doing with, with helping people create that secondary income on Amazon.
0: Yeah, so if anybody's interested, check out the Amazon course. It's FBA Sellercourse.com. That's FBA Sellercourse.com. That's where we teach people how to create recurring streams of revenue on Amazon. And if you like this show and you're interested in being booked on this show or other great shows like this, I know Bart's got his own podcast that he's starting up soon and we're going to support him with that. Um, and uh, there's a lot of other great podcasts out there. If you feel you have a story that should be heard, reach out to us at podcastcola.com. Go to podcastcola.cola.com and reach out, book an appointment. Let's see if we can get you booked on Hack and Grow Rich and some other great podcasts, including Bart's show. And for anybody that's interested in getting a hold of me, my direct email darkzess at gmail.com. That's d a r k. Z E S S at gmail.com. I answer all emails directly. It might take me a minute and I hope you guys have a amazing weekend. We're going to have some great guests coming up.
1: Hey man, thanks for hanging out with us. Shaheen and Bart here. Hack and grow
0: rich. Hit subscribe and like, and we'll see you next week.